Hey everyone and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. I'm George Cello. This is obviously the podcast for Tuesday and I hope you guys enjoy this. It's time to catch you guys up on everything that's been going on in this week. I hope you guys had a very safe Independence Day weekend. You didn't blow your fingers off with fireworks like a certain football player um, and like millions of others. But we had some really good games this week. I'm obviously going to talk about that on the podcast. D2, D1 are going to come up in this podcast for sure. I'm going to talk about our league leader in D2 at the moment, Arsenal. I'll get into what's made them pretty damn special. I'm obviously going to catch you guys up on all the stats and all that, but I'll get into Arsenal in that part of the podcast. As for D1, can someone beat Santi? Whether that's someone in the top five, someone at the bottom of the table, mid part of the table, doesn't matter. Are we going to see this team go with one loss for the rest of the season? That's something I will talk about in the second part of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this. I haven't talked to you guys in a week. I'm sorry for the delay on the manager of the month votes. Um, And obviously, I might might have been at fault for that. So um, obviously, I also haven't brought up the team of the month, something that I am talking to with the guys today. And if you hear this podcast today on, or excuse me, on Monday, I am recording it on Monday. Um, If I so happen to drop it today because I have missed the entire week, ignore that I said Tuesday, but for the most part, we're back and we're here to talk about the San Pedro FIFA League. I have missed talking about it. I've had too many people in my house, or I haven't been home this week because of the holiday, to do this podcast, so I apologize once more. I hope you guys enjoy the San Pedro FIFA League podcast on this wonderful Monday or Tuesday, depending when I drop the episode. All right, so let's get into D2. Club Leon sitting in 11th spot with City, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, and Atlanta United rounding out the bottom half of the table. Benfica sitting sixth with 13 points, haven't played a game yet this month. Celtic, Fiorentina in front of them in fourth and fifth. The top three reads PSG, Young Boys, and Arsenal. Arsenal in in front with 10 games played on 22 points. They obviously beat Young Boys 3-2 during the week. That was the big result that came out of D2 this week. Um, once again, I didn't feel entirely bad that I missed a week, uh, one podcast mostly because, and I told this to Aaron when I seen him during the week on independence day, I didn't feel bad because I felt like nobody plays their games in D2. And even though there was a ton of D1 action, I'll get into that, uh, later on in the podcast, it allowed me to highlight what I wanted to talk about in this podcast and I'll get to Arsenal in a bit obviously I'll catch you guys up on what has been happening in the stats there hasn't been a big change as we still have Buffon at the top with four and and Kepa with three clean sheets respectively Zach Steffen and Viviano still have two each Uh, there hasn't been a lot of action in that section Rodolfo Pizarro still leads the assist battle with eight but it's getting a little bit closer with David Villa now having six Um, the rest though stays the same Joaquin Icone and Bahardi of Atlanta United all have five. Um, things have not changed a lot. Obviously, I think it was only four games total got played out of this week. But the goal battle has now continued into what has become maybe a three-man race. But let's catch up on the top ten. Musa Kanate and Musa Dembele. The Musas each with eight goals. Dembele of Celtic, of course, and Kanate of Benfica. Benteke has taken the third spot all to himself with nine goals for Atlanta United. And Vardy and Benzema with 10 goals each. Vardy with two more assists with three. 
it has been a crazy golden boot race now. And I talked about it last podcast, how upset I kind of was that Vardy got two goals taken away. Well, he got those right back in two games. He scored twice. And as for Kareem Benzema, he has been more of an elite player than Arsenal could have possibly imagined. But let's not obviously rule out the rest of the top 10. I'll talk about Santi Mina in a bit, but Rodolfo Pizarro and Francisco Suarez round out. They are all three tied for 10th. Whereas Musa Merengue, Bas Dost, and Casper Dolberg are all tied in 7th, and Gareth Bale sits with 7 goals by himself in 6th. I am not going to rule out any of those guys, because they're only 3 to 4 goals away, and if you're tied for 10th, you're kind of not out of it. Things can change very quickly in the second half of the season. Obviously. I want to talk about Kareem Benzema and Jamie Vardy, because the, the where their teams have gone, they have gone along with them. Or vice versa, right? I haven't. I am going to talk to these two managers today just to kind of get that knowledge on what has been such a significant season from these two strikers, right? I mean, I don't think Benzema and Vardy, if they were terrible, their teams would be as good. And I know that sounds seems obvious. And that when I talk about Arsenal later, you'll see how big of an influence Benzema has been. But for Jamie Vardy, he has been equivocally, the most important player for a young boy's season. It's not like Fiorentina where you have four or five players kind of stepping up, being overall really good, and that's led to that success. Or Celtic where the defense and maybe two, three guys have stepped up overall with some good goalkeeping. Young boys have had, obviously, some good performances from their defense, from everyone at some point, but it all has been led through the goals of Jamie Vardy. Arsenal can have told to the same. They've had kind of like a Fiorentina-like movement, right? Everyone's kind of stepped up. But Arsenal have not had the defensive play that young boys have had uh, or displays in general. They've had games where they've given up six goals, especially in that FA Cup game against Kashima. They looked horrendous. But in the league, Arsenal sit top of the table and have been able to kind of carry their way through. They obviously had a massive 3-2 performance against Young Boys, and that jolted them to the top of the table. Let's take a look at what they got in the league coming up. They have Benfica, who sit 6th, Munich, who sit in 8th, and Fiorentina, who sit currently in 4th place. So there is a few tough games for Arsenal this month. Jalant has been a team, or has had this team uh, in Benfica doing very well at the start of the season, but in the second month, we saw that defense crack, and I, that's something I talked about. I wasn't sure if that defense can hold up. Well, we saw that. And to many people's surprise, Arsenal, a team that I think struggle with confidence, have not let that stop them. You could not be, you could be unconfident, right? You, you don't need to be confident about everything you do. You can still be good at it. But the way Arsenal have carried themselves this season, and I do have to give young boys a little bit of credit in that sense, even though I expected a lot more of, of them, you know, in the sense that I would kind of be open to seeing Ronnie be this good. It wasn't unexpected, but I wasn't expecting him to be better than Josh and Dre. But what Arsenal's done has been some of the most surprising things I think I've ever seen in the league's history. And I do think that D1 people and along with the board need to start paying attention to what is going on here and try and take advantage of what has been a great run for Arsenal. 
I know the showcase games aren't run through the board, but what I'm saying is, is that pressure could be applied in certain areas because we have to see this team play. I personally want to watch them play. Whether it's the Benfica game or the Fiorentina game, I want to watch them play. There is a unique opportunity here to watch a team that has been probably the most surprising team in not just D2 history, but the league's history of being able to compete with bare minimum. I know what you're thinking, Kareem Benzema didn't come to him very easily. But listen, that's not the point. Kareem Benzema is the best player on that team. Everyone knows that. It's what the supporting cast has done that has been impressive. Now, they haven't been all that great in the FA Cup. They do get Roma and Real Madrid next month. That's not what I'm highlighting, just bringing that up. But as for the team, as for the team itself, they have some guys that people have, I wouldn't say forgotten about, but have kind of put in the past. Shinji Kagawa sits on this team as a very dependable player, along with Eduardo Vargas, who I don't think people pay attention to all the time. He's made a small impact with three assists and one goal on the season. But there has been some guys that I don't think many people thought would contribute to the level that they have, and it's really led to the success of what this Arsenal team has done. Sure, Zach Steffen's a young goalkeeper, but with two clean sheets, that's shown the equity and the balance in this team that's been felt throughout. Guys like G Giovanni Simeone and Victor Moses, along with Santi Mina, have been the most impressive players on this team outside of Kareem Benzema. Simeone recording five assists and five goals on the year, to only be followed up by a Santi Mina with six goals and three assists, and a versatile Victor Moses who has five assists and two goals on the year. And the more surprising thing to me is impactful players like Ducore and Hatem Ben Arfa have only had a combined between the two three assists and one goal on the season with Ben Arfa not contributing any stats towards that combined stat line. Guys like Emery Moore who are young potentially really good players haven't done anything. So all the contributions coming for Arsenal at the moment have come from everyone around them, and it has been remarkable to watch, and I hope it continues. Surprises like this do not come around too often, and we've got two with Ronnie and with Arsenal. Like I said, though, with Ronnie, he was the dark horse. He was the guy that we thought he could finish top five. Not many of us would be surprised. We saw this improvement coming. We just didn't think it was going to be this season. As for Arsenal... I'll be honest, I don't think anybody saw this coming. The potency of the offense, whether it's just through Karim Benzema or not, hasn't stopped what they do. Yes, I know, they only have two clean sheets, but the division itself has not been able to defend. So I wouldn't attribute too much to those defensive stats, and more so look at the fact that they have so many different guys recording assists as they've had 11 different people record an assist on the season. And the crazy part is they have one, two, three, six guys who have two or more assists in the team. Not to mention, they've been very versatile in the goal-scoring department. Even though Kareem Benzema is the only guy with double-digit goals on their team, they've had 10 different goal scorers be recorded. You know, I talked about, I had a question asked to me when I asked everyone on the 
Instagram page for the podcast. What's more important? Do you want to, you know, a trope of guys that can score or do you need that one guy? The weird part about Arsenal, and I, I didn't know this, I didn't really catch this until I saw the stats. They have both. They literally have both. And I, I've never really seen that except for outside of Santi in D1. But they have both. You don't get 10 guys, 10 different guys scoring goals without some, you know, some versatility. You don't have 11 different guys recording assists without some versatility, right? The crazy part about this team is that they also have 10 guys that can score goals if need be. But they also have the elite goal scorer in Kareem Benzema. And that's not to say that teams like Young Boys don't have that. They don't have it to that same level. They have a similar situation, but those are the best two teams in this division. More surprising, though, no one is talking about Arsenal. And I think, just kind of like Santi, the attention begins to turn, at least for this season, towards that team. Towards this team, excuse me. What Arsenal is doing could be very groundbreaking for not only them, but for the league and really give the league a marketable marketable ability, excuse me, can get that word out, to show people that they could come into this league and they could do something special. They could come in and they can have success right away. I'm not talking about guys who come into D1, no one's ever played FIFA against them. And then they get to come up and, you know, or they get to play and win the league. That's impressive. Don't get me wrong. But if you had to play D2 first, I tell you what, a lot more people are going to know who you are and know a lot more about you because of tournaments like the FA Cup and the VT Cup. Because of those tournaments, people are going to get to know you. Now, I'm going to take a break. We're going to ignore that I couldn't say a word. And when I come back, I'll talk D1 and, of course, the crazy title race we potentially have on our hands. All right, guys, so let's talk D1. Let's forget that I couldn't say marketability. And, um, of course, let's start with the player stats this time around. 16 different guys have recorded stats as far as, or excuse me, have recorded clean sheets on the season. But now we're starting to find out who the best three goalkeepers are. Burn Leno with Leon has four Augsburg's McCarthy is six, and Strakosha still leads the way with now eight clean sheets for Club America. Obviously, he's in the best defense in D1. Another stat line that is growing traction in the gaming league has been the assist. Now, we talk a lot about goals and how the impact wavers, right? But the assist has been able to put itself in its own category. Douglas Costa still leads the way. He has 12 assists. Erickson Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Isco, Gelson Martins, Mohamed Salah, and Adama Traore, that is your two to seven positions on this list, all tied with eight assists. Rounding out the top ten, though, is Bruno Fernandez of Wolves, Luka Jovic, and Nicolas Pepe of Club America. One cool thing I found out from this, Wolves have way too many assists and not enough progress in this league. They've had so much contributions from everyone. I find it amazing that they have three guys in the top 10. That gives good reason as to why they are where they're at in the table, and I'll get to that in a bit. The crazier thing, we've had a wild goal race this season, the top 10 being uh, Luka Jovic and Messi, both tied with 10. 
Nicholas Pepe with 11. Ben Yedder in 8th with 12. Tied on 13 goals is Mario Balotelli, Kai Havertz, and Cito Immobile. Harry Kane in 4th. He's tied with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for 3rd. Ronaldo with 19 goals. He sits in 2nd. And the wildest surprise of the entire season, Romelu Lukaku with 20 goals on the season. Obviously, it's been insane, right? What we've had so far this year, this goal race has continued to be impressive. And I think it's elevated the level of what Ronaldo has done to some extent. But to me, it's also given very much clearance into how good and how needed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is for Wolves. Say what you want about Luka Jovic. He's obviously a top player in this league. And he's made a great impact. But if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does not score goals for Wolves, they have not had uh, a very good run when that happens. As for guys that are also on this list, like Harry Kane, Mario Balotelli, I think you expect that they're going to get some goals, depending on what teams they're with. And Juventus, well, they've been able to put the goals in the back of the net. They haven't also been able to prevent goals from going in. That's a whole different story. Some wild cards on this list, like Kai Havertz and Nicolas Pepe, who are more so midfield players. This shows how good they've been, and of course it gives them a very good chance to not only make team of the season, but help their teams elevate what they've done on the year. As for Barcelona, I think a lot of people who made the case for Evan to be manager of the month that I talked to, he's making his point not just with individual players, but with some of the main results that have come in. As for Nicolas Pepe, He's a good offensive player on a very elite defensive team. It's obviously helped Club America into the second spot in the standings. As for those standings, they go like this. Newcastle, Porto, Dortmund in the bottom three spots. Kashima and Atletico Nacional both sit in the playoff positions. Roma, Dynamo, Tottenham, Real Madrid, and Barcelona in the 15 to 11 spots. Your top 10 is Manchester United, AC Milan, Juventus in, those, in the bottom three of the top 10. LAFC sitting in seventh with Liverpool ahead of them by two points on 16 games. Chelsea in fifth, with Lyon just ahead. Wolves in the top three, Club America in second. And FC Augsburg currently on 38 points in 16 games, sits top of the table. Now, very quickly, the bottom three, obviously, we're going to have a great opportunity during the mid-season window to do something impressive. Obviously, if our league had a different style of transfers where they lasted throughout the season and we had a different thing. I will get to that later. I'll talk about that topic on a future podcast of how I think we should change the transfers, but that's a whole different story. Those teams are going to need this midseason window to save their asses. I think that also uh, includes Kashima and Atletico Nacional because as good as I think Kashima and Nacional are as teams, they are currently slipping and slipping very hard and I, I think they need whatever they can get to avoid being relegated it's obviously something that should be on their minds as for teams like Tottenham they have are probably on record here uh, record breaking pace to break the record for most ties in a season they have seven at some point you're going to have to get out of the middle and move one way or the other and if I'm Tottenham I'm hoping I go up but they're going to need to improve as well as for Barcelona, Real Madrid, Evan has done a very remarkable job to climb himself out of what was a very deep hole, and he's pulled himself into a position I believed he could be in at the start of the season. As for Manchester United, this is exactly where I thought they'd be. 
maybe a little bit lower in the standings, but you know what? They're still meeting expectations or, or beating them, excuse me, and they've done it with very in a very uh, fashionable way. Defensively, one of the better teams in the league, along with AC Milan, who sit just above them by a point. Two teams I'd like to quickly talk about before I talk about the top five versus or the top four teams against Santi. Liverpool and LAFC have starting to trend in different directions. Liverpool have not had a good run this week, and it's affected this month. This does not stop me from believing that they can catch up and do something impressive next month. And, and uh, you know, I'm not going to rule that out, but to me personally, it's been a very horrendous week uh, for a team that I thought it has been one of the more surprising sides in D1. As for LAFC, they are starting to turn in what is an impressive season. VT Cup was the start of something remarkable, right? Well, now they sit seventh, and they have a, three games less than their uh, than their counterparts ahead of them. Wolves, Liverpool, and Augsburg all are on 16 points ahead of LAFC, excuse me. And if LAFC were, you know, so happily to win their next three games, they would put themselves on 34 points, which could be a top four position barring what Lyon and Chelsea do. But now it's time to talk Santi versus the field in a sense or against this other four top guys in the league. So Santi, top ranked on pace to be one of the top three offenses in the league and barring what happens between them and Club America, a second or first position in defense. By the way, Santi is only one of two teams to have a plus 20 or more goal differential, joining Club America in that range. Uh, obviously, that's attributed to Club America being very efficient on the offensive end and being elite on the defensive side. Santi has not been efficient, though, ranking in the bottom five in shooting accuracy. And at times, he's had some games where he's been not been able to score, but been able to win. So I think a lot of those things people can attribute as to there's a fault. There's a crack in the armor. Well, if there is a crack in the armor, how come none of you have been able to not only find it, been able to hit it repeatedly? The only team to crack that armor was Manchester United and Joey Pieri. There's been so much going on, of course, in D1, but the focus keeps coming back to this Tiger Woods-like run from Santi. The more he does, the more pressure amounts, the more attention comes to him, the more he continues to impress me. Ten wins, one draw, one loss. You could say that's impressive, which it is. 31 points in 12 games is really unbelievable, and it's up there for one of the best starts in our league. Now, as the guy who has the best start in league history and didn't win the league, I got to tell you, when I see those stats and I go back and look at stuff like that, I cringe very hardly at myself. But that's something that Leon, Augsburg, and Chelsea, to their credit, have been able to do. They have the grit and the desire, along with composure, to continue to do what is necessary. Now, I talk to a few people about that that year, right? I go back sometimes and I talk about that. And obviously the whole Mitch Gate thing, or lag gate, whatever you want to call it, I think definitely affected, and now that I th had some time to think about it, really affected 
what could have been a really good title race between me and Ryan, and something that we would have held our heads high about, win or lose. Obviously, we both walked out of that losing, and Mitch went on to win, which obviously created Laggate, something I will never forget because it is hilarious when I talk to guys now in the league. Most of them do have the tenacity to tell me, George, you probably would have won. You or Ryan would have won if it wasn't for Mitch being able to lag his way out of games. But that's in the past. What we have here is quite the opposite of what that lag gate was. We have a team that does everything right, and even when they're bad, they're somehow still really good. You know, I go back on the stats and I looked at in the past seven games that Santi's had a shooting percentage under 25%. He still goes on to average a goal and a half a game. Now, that may seem like stupid math to you, but that's really impressive. And I didn't really look at other teams to kind of counteract that. But if you're looking at teams that score a lot of goals like Wolves, if we're going to compare these guys to each other, Lyon can do that. Club America plays good defense. Also in the top five, of course. Santi does that as well. So if you want to compare these teams and get like a pro and con list going, you're going to find out that they all have something in common with Santi. Or that he has a quality that they have. And it's, it's so not surprising, right? This is like Tiger in his prime. You don't want to deal with him. You just got to hope that you can beat him. You hope that he beats himself someday. You know, maybe doesn't make the cut, which was unheard of during prime Tiger days. But my point is, is that Santi's doing something kind of like that. Every time he plays a game, there's pressure, right? He can't lose. Otherwise, it's a shocker. You know, he can't. If he only wins one nil, ooh, ooh, I don't think Santi's going to keep this up. But he keeps doing it. He keeps keeping it up. It's been remarkable. In that game against Augsburg, I knew, and I know how Ramon is, that he won, he gave everything that game. Maybe it wasn't his best performance, but he knew that if I walk away out of this game with a W, I could be potentially that team that cracks the armor all completely. Maybe didn't use that metaphor, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe he felt, if I beat Santi this time, and I show everyone that another top team could beat Santi, I think they'd feel pretty good. Now, Chelsea did tie Lyon the first time they met only, and Chelsea did beat them in the VT Cup. So like I said, there's a crack in the armor. I do believe that teams can beat Santi. The thing is, though, will it be too late? Right? Wolves can score a lot of goals, but let's not forget, they're not consistent. Club America plays really good defense, but at times they have slipped against some of the, the better teams, even though they've had a better record this year. They haven't been able to always score in those games even though I love what Serge has done there. As Roman, he just can't seem to get past Lyon or Chelsea at the moment, which could affect his progress. And Chelsea, they play a neutral game every time they play against Lyon some, for some reason. Both teams are out of their element to the point where it ends up being a draw or a very, very close game where, you know, at least in the cup, they kept playing, right? I think it was double overtime. So I don't think any team's going to out-and-out beat Lyon because sometimes those guys in the top five can't beat the teams six down. They struggle. And that's where we found our league, is that Santi can beat everyone. The rest of the guys, though, they can't seem to figure it out. Whether it's what, no matter what tier of, the, of D1 that they're playing against, they're not consistent. 
And consistency, obviously, is always a key to winning a title. But what Santi has done is put a grace to it. Whether he's winning 1-0 and it's gritty, he still wins. I would tie that attribute to Augsburg, right? I mean, Santi has a quality of each of these five guys, right? I mean, he has the versatility of Chelsea where he could plug anybody in. Grittiness of Augsburg that I just talked about. Where no matter how bad you're playing, you're going to keep going. You're just, okay, I just got to get the three points, whatever happens. It's all of us have that, I'm sure, in the league to a certain degree. But it's the way they go about it that makes them really good with it. Top offense, Leon's got that. And like I already said, top defense, Leon also has that. So Santi, in a sense, is collecting all the Infinity Stones. And if you guys don't all get together and try and stop him, it's not going to work out. Santi's going to not only keep getting more money in the league, you, gotta get, you guys got to remember, his best player in Messi, who's probably the best player ever, oh yeah, he's on his team and he's only 32. So FIFA-wise, maybe two, three more seasons where Santi's going to be able to have an elite player like that. Not to mention, he's also good with guys like Douglas Costa. He's good with Lozano. He's got pieces that he could just attach at any time and ask them to step up. And if he continues to get more money, he's going to be able to build and build and build. And pretty soon he's going to conquer all of you. Let's we'll take a quick break. I'll get into the third segment in a bit. As for what uh, this D1 season has given us, guys, continue to play your games. You guys have set a great example for what D2 should be. But for you D1 guys, I would say this before I take the break in the podcast, be involved in what's going on in D2. Those D2 guys would love to have their attention or have your attention. I talk to most managers down there. They do not feel that there is a level of respect. And to a certain degree, I get it from you D1 guys. But at the same time, I would like it, and I'm sure everyone else in the board would like it, if there was just a little bit of notice going on from you D1 fellows. We'll be right back. All right, guys, before I end the podcast, I quickly wanted to talk about a topic I was going to bring up in a future podcast, but I'm going to get to it now, and what I would change in the VT Cup. Now, some of you are saying, don't change anything. Why would we change it? It's not broke. Don't fix it. It is broken to a certain, you know, in a certain sense, right? You win this tournament or you win the league. What's more important? Most of you are going to say win the league. Now, let's say I won three VT Cups and you won the league once. Who's going to respect you more? Or who's going to be more respected? You are. Because there's no significance behind the VT Cup. You win the FA Cup, though. That's a big deal. And obviously, I have a past history in the league. I've won the FA Cup twice. And I'll tell you what, it's, a, it's, it's an effort to win that tournament. And even more so now that it's broken up and you can't get a hot hand and just run through everyone uh, at, in the night. And you won't have that same kind of tourney feel. And that's okay. No, no one's asking for that. But here's what I would change with the VT Cup. First and foremost, it should not no longer be invitation only. That needs to go away. I'm not saying people, everyone has to participate. But there maybe should be a little bit more of a cutoff for this tournament. And here's what I'm getting at. Now, the top four in our Division 1 has no significance to making it, except for the seeding for next year. Interesting, right? It's kind of a good thing. But what if, and this is all hypothetical, 
What if those top four guys got a bye into the VT Cup? And we did a, a two-legged knockout battle instead. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, what if I run into someone that's really tough? Well, in the real FA Cup in England, at least, the way they do it, and as, long, as well as the Copa del Rey in Spain, the reason why I like those two tournaments very much is that it's seeded base, but everyone participates. Now, for example, teams that would finish in the top four would automatically skip to a certain round and have to wait for their opponents to come to them. That way, they get some type of respect for finishing the league as high as they did. That way, the league season, if you don't win the title, has some type of meaning. Oh, I can skip ahead. I'll make some automatic money. Speaking of money, the VT Cup needs more money in it. And I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you at once, but the FA Cup needs some more significance. The more money that gets added to it, the more people are going to take it seriously. And you don't have to throw tons of money at it. But the fact of the matter is there's not enough in it to take it seriously. I mean, we watched an entire group skip out on it. No real punishment to it, right? Oh, they missed it. Oh, well. No, no more of that. Guys need to show up and play their games. And I think if the league did it in a single, or excuse me, single elimination but two-legged tie type of way, we would not only get through the tournament faster, but guys might take it seriously. And I know that playing two games back-to-back -back can be rigorous, but that's why you have the buy for the teams that deserve it. If you finish in the fifth to eighth position, maybe you don't play until the second or third rounds, and you just get to sit there and wait, whereas the D2 teams and the teams in D1 that didn't finish in the top eight have to play each other, and they progress into the tournament and eventually play you guys. Now, I know visually that's hard to kind of interpret in your brains, but basically it would be an open draw every time. So, you know, we have our top four, but let's say Celtic are playing Juventus in the first round. Those winners and the winners would go in their own pot, and the teams that have a bye would go in the other pot. It's very much England FA Cup style. And I like that. The reason the league, in my opinion, the league would benefit from that, and I know there's a lot of stoppages in that, and maybe you could do a bracket, something of that sort. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I know that's kind of weird. And the league would benefit, though, because then we'd have something totally different than what the FA Cup is. We already have a group stage tournament. Maybe we need a single elimination. Maybe we need something that puts these teams in a sense of they need to be more immediate. In the FA Cup, you have time to recover when you are doing terrible. But if you're bad over two legs, you're out. Let's move on. You're not good enough. And it seems harsh and it seems a little bit tougher to win, but that's what I want. That's what I would want from this league if I'm playing in it. Let this VT Cup be a challenge because that way if teams still try and Cadillac their way through it, they only play one round and they don't waste anyone's time. We don't have to sit here and wait for the group stage to be over with. We don't. And yet the FA Cup is so well structured. And I did talk about how to, you know, the, the, the board obviously put this together in their own way, but I was pushing for a group stage in this, in this thing. That way it took place during the season. I pushed for that. The board figured out their own way of doing it because they obviously knew what they wanted. They had a vision for it themselves. You know, they did a good job on that. I'm not here to sit here and, and put them down. But where we're still failing this league is during the VT Cup. And, I, and it sucks 
that at times we get good tournaments out of the VT Cup, and people tend to forget them. Like, name me the last time, besides this season, where there was a really great VT Cup knockout stages. Because there fucking wasn't. There hasn't been. The FA Cup, every knockout stage is fun. Even when I wasn't playing it, 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 it was, it's fun. But the VT Cup needs that kind of credibility to it. Because if we played single elimination, you can build it up to the quarterfinals, right, on one day. We can play a bunch of games, and then you can cut it off if you needed to. Or you can do a one-day tournament where you keep going. If you keep winning, you just keep going. And you would have two days to get that tournament done. You know, maybe you play all the games up into the quarterfinal, and then on that following day, you finish the tournament. Because that way you could wait till nighttime to get your games done. I don't know. That's just my suggestion. I think it would add a very unique element to that, and it'd give us a very gaming league-like element that we see in the gaming leagues that are professional, where it's you lose and you're out. And I think it should be that way, especially if so many of you treat it like a preseason tournament, They'll get very real very fast when you're out and the other guys are still playing. And you don't make the money that you possibly could if you go further. And now that would be a way for the league to add more money. If you made it to the quarterfinals or the round of 16, you could add some significance uh, to the money difference there. And obviously, a lot less guys would make money. See, the thing is with the FA Cup is there's a definity in how much each person makes, right? But every time you're cutting the league in half. So in the first round, we have, what, 32 guys who participate in this FA Cup? You'd get 16. And then you'd have you'd have eight, and then you'd have four, and then the final. You could literally possibly do that all in one day. I mean, that's all I'm saying. You could get a tournament done in one day where everyone's playing each other in a one, or excuse me, in a two-legged tie. You're playing one team. You beat them, you move on. Simple as that. Because the VT Cup does not get enough respect as it is. And group stages does not save it, in my opinion. A lot of you don't want to change it because you probably like the group stage. You like to figure out who's going to make what kind of money. But we get way more immediacy uh, with doing it that way. And even though it's two legs, the final wouldn't be two legs, right? Obviously, um, the final would just be one game. But... You could do it like that. That way we get the tournament over with and the league doesn't have to wait around and skip people out. If you want to forfeit, it only affects one other team and they get to advance. It doesn't affect or uh, affect three other teams. You know, the one thing I don't like about the group stages in the VT Cup is that let's say myself, Liverpool, Spurs, and Celtic are playing each other and I quit and Celtic beat me in the tournament, they lose points. What if Celtic don't get to go move on to the next round? You're like, oh, well, they should have beat the other two teams. But what if my victory was their way of going through in the tournament? So that's where I have an issue with the group stages in the VT Cup. Too often, uh, guys have not participated. Now, I think if we did that uh, single elimination tournament over two games, uh, obviously no away goals because it's a gaming league. Um, I know... You know, I know we don't have penalties, but we have the overtime and, you know, you go the golden goal. And I don't think those things should change. I think that would be a good way of 
you know, if you're going to break up, oh, what if teams are tied, George? What if they're tied 5-5 on aggregate and the game ends? They keep going until the winner, the next person gets the next goal. It's To me, it's that simple. I mean, if you don't want to have a tough score in that tournament, that's fine. But uneven groups, boring. It's so boring when we have uneven groups. Yeah, I really want to watch this three-team group. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's not. I'd rather watch teams pelt each other down just to advance to the next round and continue to do it up until the final. Because any team could catch their form after three games. You know, you could kind of wake up. But if you lose one game and you tie the next, you're out. There's no recovery, and I kind of like that because the best team for a tournament, especially one that you guys don't respect, should be someone who catches that hot hand, I guess, in in, in this sense. I don't know. Let, you, let me know what you guys think about that. I know I was kind of all over the place because there's so many points to make. But as far as the overtime rule uh, goes, they would just play golden goal like we already do in tournaments, or at least in the knockout stages. That wouldn't change for me if they're tight on aggregate. I wouldn't do away goals, and I would do single elimination. You have two games to beat someone. Let's say I had to play Tottenham. I get two games. No away goals. We find out who the best team over those two games are, and we move on. Simple as that. Guys, let me know what you think about that at San Pedro FIFA League on Instagram. Of course, you could comment when I post on the Facebook page. If you want to message me directly on my personal Instagram, it's George William Tello. As for that, guys, that is the Tuesday or Monday podcast, depending on if I feel like posting it uh, today or tomorrow. But that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening once more. Um, I've had a pleasure doing this podcast with you uh, for you guys, and I hope that continues. Continue to listen to it, share it to your friends. It's something I haven't asked before, but maybe that's how we get guys to join the FIFA League. And if they hate my voice, that's all right. Um, they can still join the league. As for everything that's gone on in the league, you guys, I've caught you guys up. Get your guys' games done. D2, start playing some games. Let's see what you guys can really do. It's not all about the guys in the top two positions, even though I highlighted them today. D1, continue to be as erratic and crazy as you've been. We'll see if uh, Chelsea and Lyon can recover from the other results that their rivals have been able to get, and if they could reclaim their one and two spots, respectively. Once again, let me know what you guys think about this VT Cup change that I would change. FA Cup, I think, is pretty clear-cut at the moment. It has very much good depth to it. But the VT Cup must change, in my opinion. As for what to expect on Friday podcast, expect Team of the Month and the other monthly awards that go along with it. And of course, I will continue to sit at my desk as I will look for who and what should be brought in for each team in the top six and those that are playing around in the relegation zone. Until then, goodbye.